Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Brittany being a blonde pop star that flips her hair around was like her identity. And to shave off her head was like such a symbolic message to the world of like, I am not in this moment, what you have to understand is that I am not Britney Spears Incorporated. I'm not. I'm Kirby. And I'm Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. Every week, we break down the most important beauty news and launches, interview your favorite beauty experts, influencers, and celebrity guests, and review our favorite beauty products of the moment as your beauty editor BFFs from the beautiful and great city of Los Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We Ooh. hope you stay a while. <laughs> cute. That's cute. Happy Tuesday, Glamgelinos. It's just Kirby here today. I am so excited. This episode is my magnum opus. It's, well, it's actually the guest's magnum opus, but um, it's my passion. We'll put it that way. For the second pod swap of the month, we are collaborating with the pop culture podcast, Denzo. Hosted by Troy McGeady, Denzo revisits celebrity relationships you thought you knew everything about. A true pop culture historian with a memory like a steel trap, Troy discusses those pop culture moments of yesteryear that live rent-free in your head. From album reviews to deep dives on your favorite celebrity romances or showmances, if you will, Troy is a respected voice in the industry. You're going to fall in love with him just like we did if you aren't already in love with him already. I am interviewing Troy today because we are both passionate about a very special someone. One, Brittany Jean Spears from Kentwood, Louisiana. If you know anything about me, y'all know that Brittany is my queen. I will always defend her. I will never disparage her. And I only want her to be happy and healthy. And Troy feels the same way. Um, We both grew up admiring and loving her. And this isn't actually the first time that I've interviewed Troy. Last year, I included him in a piece I was writing that you'll hear more about momentarily during the combo about the conversation around Brittany shaving her head. I think it's a worthy and nuanced conversation, and we felt that it would be a really great topic for today's podcast. This isn't going to be like Britney Spears' tips and tricks. It's not, that's not this, it's not going to be a very beauty-focused episode. I like to compare this episode um, to our episode with Amanda Montel on the linguistics of beauty. And um, this is going to discuss beauty in a different light. We will be discussing elements of Britney's looks throughout her career, but it's not going to be super tip and trick based. It's going to be very much a conversation about what was happening at the time she did shave her head, what her hair changes signify to her fan base, you know, how the media portrayed her. So really it's going to be a discussion of beauty on those terms. We think whether or not you're a diehard Britney fan, you're going to enjoy this episode and maybe you'll even learn a little bit about what's happening in her life at the moment, you know, where her conservatorship stands, stuff like that. So that's our episode. 
Then I am appearing on Dunzo this week to break down and do an album review of Blackout with Troy, track by track. I'm so honored because Troy's album reviews are next level. And I'm actually shocked that he hasn't done Blackout before because this album of Britney's is largely regarded as her best album. So you can head over to Dunzo, subscribe to the His Podcast, and listen to us break down each track and what we think um, and, and, and maybe learn a little bit more about that album. Now, this is a pro Britney episode. You have been warned, all right? We won't be taking any negativity about Britney <laughs> on this podcast in the world, in my life. We don't need any of that. Um, There are some sensitive topics covered like mental health. So I just wanted to put that out there so that when you hear it, you're anticipating it and you're aware. But here we go. Let's have some fun. Sarah and I will be back on Friday, continuing our sustainability series. See you then. Troy, I am seeing your beautiful face for the first time. This is so exciting to me. I'm fangirling a little bit. I'm like, oh my God. Honestly, so am I. Like, I can't stop smiling. This is so exciting. Me too. So I mentioned this in the intro, but Troy and I met last year and it was because I was assigned to write a piece about Brittany and her shaved head. The way that Britney was covered, especially when she shaved her head, was horrendous. We all know this at the time. And this piece was supposed to kind of change everybody's perspective on that moment and what that actually meant for her in the long run. And then, of course, Free Britney was going on. It's still going on. But I feel like it started to gain a lot of momentum and Troy, you know, with anything that you may say or write about Britney, it would be obsolete like two weeks later because so many more developments happen. So that's why that piece has not seen the light of day yet. But I was like, you know what? I think this is actually a really great topic for Los Angeles and Dunzo. And I'm just really, really honored to have you because... You need your own TV show. I want you to be on like VH1, like pop culture historian. Like, how can we make this happen? The fact that you and I met through Britney is just so perfect. It makes me feel very warm and safe and swaddled, honestly. I'm excited about this. This is a big deal for me. We're honored to have you. So first of all, I would be remiss not to ask, what did you think of framing Britney Spears? The way that I've been describing it is... I've been using the term effective. I thought it was effective. It did what it was supposed to do, which was get everybody on the same page. It was eye-opening for everyone. For me, it was eye-opening because I didn't know how many people didn't know anything. I really didn't. I really, really had been living in this like very created bubble, honestly. I was like, no, everybody knows this stuff. Everybody knows what she went through. You know, everybody knows about her head shaving thing and about her being you know, medicated and all this stuff. I really thought the world knew. So to find out that a huge part of the world didn't even remember that she shaved her head or that we tormented her, I was just like, okay, this did what it was supposed to do. Yeah. And, you know, I thought the documentary did a great job. Like you said, it was effective in informing 
the younger generation, I think a lot of people, especially kids, teenagers, maybe early 20s, like they weren't obviously alive. Like they were maybe just being born when this was happening with Britney. Maybe they were like, I don't know, six. They were too young. They couldn't comprehend exactly what was going on with her. They just knew that she was like this pop star. It's Britney bitch, work bitch. They knew of her iconic schoolgirl outfit, but that's the extent of it. And I think when it comes to Britney, there are so many conspiracy theories that are thrown around. And TikTok has been like a huge source of a lot of different conspiracy theories that have like turned out to kind of in some instances be on track, which I think is super interesting. But I was also super surprised, Troy. Like that was all that consumed my life at that time. It was insane and I was scared. I kept thinking maybe we were gonna wake up because you have to recall everyone, like this was 2007, 2008 when this media firestorm had started and she was partying and Perez Hilton was really popular. As a girl going to school in Texas, I was on the Superficial and Perez Hilton every single day getting my fix of celebrity news. I so desperately wanted to move to LA to like be a part of that bubble, right? And the superficial was just funny. Perez was evil in so many ways, <laughs> but he was delivering news that like we weren't getting from anywhere else, right? So at that time, so many people were overdosing. So many people were passing away. And I legitimately thought we were going to wake up one day and like have this horrible news about Britney. I hate to even speak that, but that's really how I felt at the time. No, I think that that speaks to how so many people felt, honestly. I know I woke up every day, and that was like before TMZ alerts, and thinking, I'm going to go on TMZ and find that Britney died. Sarcastically, I call her Uma Thurman, but like she kind of did fucking kill Bill her way through 2007. Like There were pianos falling all around her every single day, and she just so happened to somehow make it out alive. And I think a lot of people felt like that's just sort of what happens to celebrities. Like they die when they get to this point. And a lot of people I think had come to terms with the fact that she could. And I was always so alarmed by how sort of lax people were about it, where I was just like, do you care if she dies? Like, cause she really could. And she's really young and she has kids. I love that you brought up like people just thought that's what happens in celebrity culture because even writing the piece about Britney shaving her head, these notes didn't come from my amazing editor. The note that was given to me was about how I was talking about how she was scrutinized so heavily in 2007 and 2008 and like what led to that moment. I mean, Jessica Simpson was not getting the same type of attention. Neither was Christina Aguilera and I love them both dearly and I was obsessed with them as well. It was Britney, Lindsay, and Paris. Like, it was the trifecta, and those women really went through it. And it was alarming to me, honestly, reading that note from somebody who had, like, lived through it, seen the firestorm, had seen Britney go through all this, and her takeaway was like, well, she didn't go through anything worse than any other celebrity. Like, it just comes with the territory. And that's when I was like, whoa, okay, people really don't get it. And I feel like you and I probably experience this a lot in our personal lives, but I had friends text me after watching the documentary going, hey, I'm sorry that I ever made fun of you for caring about Britney. See, I think that people not knowing about it almost plays into how just sort of pushed aside she's always been. Like the fact that this person could have 
one of, if not the biggest celebrity public breakdown that we've ever seen in the history of Hollywood. And she's so sort of cast aside that people don't even know or have never even taken more than a couple minutes to really think about the magnitude of it. Even if you don't like, oops, I did it again or whatever, if you don't think she's a real artist, she's still a 24, 25 year old girl with new babies who is being just just attacked violently all the time. And it, you know, even beyond that, being a pregnant woman who's being swerved off the road, like just on a surface level as a human being, this is wrong. It sounds like I'm joking, but I'm not. I always use the phrase elephant man. You can only describe it as like, it's elephant man fame. It's a different kind of fame. It's like that Michael Jackson fame that's like, you can't go back. Like you can never go back. You've crossed a line where people don't even see you as human. I interviewed another entertainment producer for that piece, and he described it to being like Marilyn Monroe. Usually if you see a celebrity in LA, you might kind of gawk and, you know, get excited. But when it comes to Britney, I mean, she could not go anywhere. She could not leave her house. And I talk a lot about this on my Instagram stories, just like shouting into the void, essentially, that you know, Brittany obviously is at home a lot now, and there are reasons behind that. But even if she becomes fully free of her conservatorship, I don't think her life is going to change that much because I think she just wants to be like a dance teacher for little kids living her best life in Hidden Hills somewhere. She doesn't want people gawking at her every move, following her, taking photos and videos of her every single step, whether she's shopping or grocery shopping or getting Starbucks or going to Target, I think she really wishes she could have her privacy back. And it's just because of who she is and that like Michael Jackson, Princess Diana, Marilyn Monroe type fame, she's never going to have a private life ever again. You're right. Like she wants to be the mom that goes to soccer games with an igloo full of Capri Suns. Like really that's her like dream, you know? And it's like, yeah, she won't ever have that, which is really sad. And I also think there's a huge part of her that wants to, because she is so creative and this is all she's ever known. There has to be a big part of her that wants to do music, but just like on her terms, like she just wants for once in her entire life to be able to release an album completely on her own terms. And there may not be any like, you know, bowling pin style dancers or choreography or whatever, you know, it may be her sitting on a stool strumming a guitar. We don't know. I think she wants her ray of light moment, which she's deserved, you know? Yeah. It reminds me a lot of, not to bring up Justin Timberlake, but Man of the Woods. Everyone was like, where's the banger from this album? You know, like, this doesn't sound like anything from future sex love sounds and i'm like guess what justin timberlake doesn't have to make music that's commercially viable anymore let him make his man of the woods album and make the music he wants to make like we may never hear like a legit banger from justin timberlake ever again and he probably doesn't care he's like i'm making music that i want to make and you know britney she doesn't have to make a banger like She doesn't even have to make a club hit. She doesn't have to make anything. She literally can just make music that she wants. Like she has that authority now, but because of all the restraints put on her, I don't know if that's ever something we'll ever see again. I'm working right now on a, an original doll thing for the podcast. 
I'm really, really excited about. Actually, by the time this comes out, like everybody will have heard the first part of it. So I'm really, really excited about that. And just learning about the way she had to white knuckle it and just tooth and nail her way through even just releasing a song that they didn't necessarily like. I mean, truly like, some Mission Impossible level, like falling through the ceiling kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like just to release a song that they didn't care for. It's crazy. That was the one where she called the radio station, right? Or like went into the radio station. Everyone has to go listen to that episode of Dunzo because I'm sure it's going to be incredible. For everybody not familiar, Choi, what is going on with the conservatorship? Like where does that stand as of today? As of right now, she's still very much locked into it. She has no control over her finances, which is something that I definitely wanted to bring up because I see a lot of people mention the way she looks in her clothes and stuff. And it's like, Britney is not the pop star she was in 2000, whatever, where she could just go shop and spend thousands of dollars on clothes. Everything is out of her control. So yeah, she's like wearing Kohl's khaki shorts every day. She gets like a thousand dollar allowance. She has no control over her money. And who would be doing her hair at her house? I mean, she's like very on our level right now, you know, as far as like the pandemic and just being locked away. She's very locked into it. Her dad is still very much involved. It kills me because what she wants out of that conservatorship is so simple. Like she just wants her dad to not be involved in it. And she just wants Lou Taylor to no longer be involved in it. And she doesn't even mind being in one. It's like that part of it she can't get out of. And it's just so sad. Britney, especially in her conservatorship, she's not like, hey, y'all, I really want to pay my electric bill this month. She's so rich, she will never have to worry about paying bills or making sure that things are taken care of financially. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what she's asking for. And I think, like, at the root of it, people oftentimes when they see her Instagram, they're like, is she well enough to be able to handle her own finances? I'm like, that's not even what she's asking for. Like, that's not even close to what she's asking for. She doesn't want to have to put in her PIN number and go onto LADWP and pay her water bill. Like, that's not what she's looking for, you know? Yeah. And she doesn't want a suitcase full of money to gallivant around with in the back of a limb or a convertible or something. That's what people think is like, she wants to go on shopping sprees or like, be able to spend money how as freely as she wants. And it's like, I think she just wants to be an adult. Like, I think she just wants adult human rights is more so what it is. It's her fortune that she's been working for since she was five. Why do you think the topic of the conservatorship has come to a head over the past two or three years? Okay, so my theory on that is that when people were first introduced to the conservatorship, and I'm going to include myself in this, that when it first happened, the first year of it, I didn't know what that word was. I'd never heard the word conservatorship. It's a word that is now so tied to this situation. And now we it's a shorthand and we all know it, but none of us knew what it was to be in a conservatorship. And that worked to the favor of everybody involved hugely, you know, because it really looked like her dad and her team was like, especially her dad was coming in to rescue her. You know, he gave up everything to make her his responsibility and I don't know it was like this fairy tale story at the time and I think for a really long time they were able to sort of play it that way publicly where it's like this is in her best interest she'll do everything she did in 2007 again if her dad isn't there and it's only recently that people have realized that it's actually just like a slavery contract and that she's been fighting to get out of it for so many years and 
it now it feels like everybody kind of has an understanding that it's evil. Whereas before we thought it was like some savior thing. And I admittedly did think it was a savior thing, just like you. I didn't know. I thought that maybe she needed it for reasons that weren't revealed to us at the time. I think there's a lot going on, obviously, that we still don't know about because some things just don't make sense. And I've talked about this before, but if something doesn't make sense, it's because a crucial piece of information is missing. So when that piece is revealed, it's like, oh, okay, this is why I felt like I was being gaslit or I felt like I had no idea what was going on. But I admittedly thought, like, she's been in it this long, like, maybe she needs it. I don't know. And really, the conversation around it is what kind of opened my eyes. Because if she's incapable of doing very basic things, why is she parading around on a stage in Vegas for a month straight? It doesn't compute. And it feels like when Britney wants to do something, you can tell because she gets excited about it and she seems to put all of her effort into it. And, you know, this woman doesn't half-ass anything. You know, that's not who she is. Ultimately, I am really glad that this conversation is going. And I think it's the power of social media. (laughs) We've been able to kind of put out there that she needs help. Okay, so we have to talk about Instagram. Do you worry about Britney? Like when you see what she posts on Instagram, do you worry about her? And Do you think that she's sending messages or do you think she's just coping the best way she can? Oh God. Okay. I think that it lies maybe perfectly somewhere in the middle. If that's like the most non-answer answer ever, but you know what I mean? (laughs) It's somewhere in between where it's like, I do, of course I worry. And I think anybody looking at her Instagram worries, you know, because she feels so far removed from who we know as Britney Spears. And that's the thing that I think is the most, for me, troubling is because I feel like I've always, and I'm sure you get this too, like you've always been able to sort of understand her. There's a shorthand because it just lives in you, you know, so you get her. And when I started not getting her anymore, like that was really alarming for me. Cause I was like, this is the first time in like 20 years I really feel like I don't understand her. So like that was pretty weird. But yeah, it freaks me out. But I also think people don't understand how weird and just random she is. Like she's coping and she's bored. Like this girl is bored. She's been in quarantine for 13 years. Look at us. We've been doing this for a year and we're losing our minds. She's done this 13 times. I just think she's bored. Exactly. And it all comes back to what I said earlier, her lifestyle. I don't think that if she does become free of her dad and Lou Taylor, I don't think that her lifestyle is going to change. I mean, she'll have opportunities probably to get more allowance or, you know, whatever, travel more, go shopping. But I don't think that she's just going to be gallivanting around LA, like, you know, sitting on the back of a car waving at the gays in West Hollywood, right, during Pride. Like, we're never going to see that. We're never going to see that. She wants to live a more private life. And I think it all goes back to, like, because so many people want a piece of her, she's like, I just want to stay in my giant home and make videos that make me feel good and try on clothes and talk about projects and colors and all that stuff. I'm sure you get so many messages from people saying, decode this. What does this mean? What is she saying? One of my friends is an astrologer, B. I love astrology. And she gave me a really interesting perspective because Brittany has an Aquarius moon. Apparently, when you have an Aquarius moon, 
you have like a really unique sense of humor and you like to send a message. And Brittany's always been about sending messages through her music, through her music videos. And so B thinks that, you know, we're all looking at these messages, trying to decode them, thinking she's sending us a message like SOS, help, alerts, like get me out of here. But really she's sending a message to her team and the people involved in her day-to-day life, which when she put it that way, that clicked for me because that's the only thing that makes sense to me when I think of Britney. Britney's incredibly clever. She's really funny. She has a really goofy personality. She has a problem. She's going to let you know it, but it's not going to be blatant. So I thought that was a unique perspective and it kind of made sense to me. It kind of makes me like breathe like a sigh of relief almost a little bit. At this point, we all know what's going on. There's no need for her to be sending us messages. And this is the other thing that I think about that I'm sure you think about all the time where I'm like, there is no debating this now. We don't need to be, you know, what is this? It's, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. Like the situation is fucked. The decoding doesn't even really matter to me because what she wants in this situation is so simple and we all know what it is. So it's like, who knows what a red refrigerator meant on her Instagram at this point? I don't know. You know what I mean? But like, I almost don't even care. <laughs> I don't care either. I'm like, maybe she wants a new refrigerator and she's telling her team like, yo, come fix the fridge. I don't know. Let's talk about her shaving her head. So at that point in time, I personally think that her shaving her head is what shapes the narrative around the conservatorship and that she was quote unquote crazy. I think it was basically evidence of sorts to get her into the situation she's in. So what was happening in pop culture world at this point? So at that particular point, we were at a wave of, like you said earlier, the Britney, the Lindsay, the Paris, the trifecta, and then all of the other sort of side characters, the Mishas and the Nicoles and all the other people, we had hit this like plateau, I think, of that just every single day news cycle, several times per day. I read this once and it was just so alarming to me. It's never left my mind that during that time, Brittany herself made up, I think it was like 35% of the news, including politics. In terms of like Donald Trump, like what we consumed of Donald Trump for the past four years, like that was Brittany. It was world dominating all day not just like you heard a news story a day it was like several crazy news stories per hour all day and it felt like the shaving of the head moment was like almost like a pimple being big burst or something it was like popping a zit it was like this thing that had really gotten so big that it finally exploded and then we were on the other end of it where it was just completely out of control where before it felt out of control but now it was like the wheels are fucking off this thing who knows what's going to happen now this is where kind of like tiktok comes into play people have claimed that like they saw her the next day or worked with her on a project or whatever and that she made some comments about her shaved head what was she feeling and why did she do it well okay so people have their theories there are a lot of people that believe that it was drug test related there are the people who believe that it was so that they couldn't take a hair follicle from her um for the custody stuff in court and that was a theory that had a long shelf life i think there are a lot of people that still believe that there are the people who believe that she you know like she said and for the record that she just wanted to be free and that she just was having a moment of i want 
to shed myself of whatever is going on right now. And I mean, I think that that also definitely played a big part of it. We know Brittany is so spiritual and so she's so sort of like Oprah spiritual in that way. So that definitely feels like something that she would have been feeling. I've always subscribed to the theory that it was just the ultimate rebellion. Like it was the ultimate number one peak. I mean, her hair was so tied to who she was as a pop star. Britney being a blonde pop star that flips her hair around was like her identity. And to shave off her head was like such a symbolic message to the world of like, I am not. In this moment, what you have to understand is that I am not Britney Spears Incorporated. I'm not. You know, like she had to do something really drastic to help people get it. Like, I'm done right now, you know? I agree. I mean, every post was basically saying that it was because she needed to take a drug test to be able to get custody of her kids. And like, that was the entire motivation behind it. I think that this was actually, again, a message to her team. I also think it was a message to the paparazzi and the media at large. I think somewhere inside she said, maybe if I get rid of my hair, I won't be this sex symbol or I won't be this perfect Barbie person that people are constantly trying to photograph, be around, get to. It will give them a reason to not want to photograph me anymore. And maybe even her team, like, I don't have hair now. We can't be doing music videos. I'm not going to go on tour. Like, it's time to live my life on my own terms. When I talk to a lot of people who are Britney historians and they know a lot about her, they're like, yeah, it was like punk rock shit. It was full on rebellion, middle finger in the air. I'm done. F you. You know, obviously it backfired because then everybody wanted more photos of her and more videos of her. I think it did its job in terms of like her team because they probably were like, what are we going to do? This ruins this plan and that plan and this photo shoot and this music video. That was February 2007. Then Blackout came out 2007, October, okay? And then, you know, they bumped it up because there was leaks happening and all that stuff. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if she's been recording this album, you know, Blackout, getting things going, getting ready to release an album later in the year, there's obviously going to try to be a tour tied to this. The machine is thinking about the cash. So... They're thinking photo shoots for promo material, magazine shoots. Obviously, the tour is like the big one. So many people wanted a piece of the pie, you know, so to speak, and relied on her for money that I think it really was just her way of being like, I don't want to have any person depending on me for anything anymore. Yeah, and I honestly don't think any of this would have happened had they let her release Original Doll. I don't think people think about how tied that is to how angry she was that, you know, she'd written all this music, basically her version of Stripped. It was very raw, very vulnerable. She had songs that were about Justin and about her dad and about addiction. And I mean, it was a really trauma-based album that she had a lot of emotional tie to, enough that she put her neck on the line by like going out and releasing demos to the world and stuff. Like it was a big deal for her and for them to just scrap it and basically say, no, like you have to release a more commercially viable album that people can bob their heads to. I think that that was a real big, like I'm done. I'm really, really done. Like I'm over it. And like, I'm not a kid now, you know, like I'm a grown ass woman and I have children and like, I've been married. Why are all these other people allowed to do whatever they want? And, you know, Britney was always somebody that compared herself. She was always holding up a mirror to 
the public and saying like, you guys let this celebrity do this. Why can't I do it? These other people are in my position. They're allowed to do whatever they want. Like when she told Matt Lauer, Kate Hudson can go out with her kids, whoever, you know, Gwen Stefani goes to the playground with her kids and stuff. And like, there's a level of respect given, whatever, you know, that she's never had that opportunity. So I, I think it was a real, just like, I'm done. I'm not going to go fucking tour this album that you guys, no, I'm not doing it. I like to bring up this situation just because of the way she was treated in the media and called crazy and, and I put crazy in quotes, right? It really did kind of shape a narrative that she was not of sound mind. I think she was a woman at her breaking point and nobody, not one single person was on her side. There was not one person that was willing to take a step back and say, okay, this is wrong the way she's being covered. This is wrong the way that she's being treated. Like, let's just take a moment, let her breathe. She had nobody. And I think it's really unfair that she was, you know, treated and still treated in that way, to be completely honest. Yeah, I think you bring up a really, really important point that people sort of gloss over all the time, that she didn't have a single person of power who had her best interest. When I did my Christina series, one of the things that I learned about her that I found so fascinating was that her producer, her music producer, was also the head of her label. So she had this direct, really intensely close relationship with this guy who was extremely powerful, like could walk into a room with Pink and Maya and Missy and look him and say, she's taking, Christina's taking the best vocal. I run the label. So if she wanted a month off or three months off, or if she wanted to take five years in between albums or, you know, stop touring or whatever, she could do anything she wanted. So it's wild to see how that all sort of played out over time, the comparison, you know, because Britney didn't have a single person like that in her in her life. I mean, not even family, which is horrible. If you go back and you read the news coverage of that moment, do you think it was covered incorrectly? I think it ties to what you said. I think that she was taken to a breaking point as any human being would be. And then as a result, she broke down. You know what I mean? I think that Britney would have gone her entire life maybe having some mental health stuff that she needed to work through like any of us. And it, you know, may have been a little heightened because of the weirdness of her life and being a performer since she was born and stuff. But I do think that she could have gone through and had a completely normal, it's not like that year of her life was meant to be that always. We did that to her. That didn't happen to her because her wires were crossed. You know what I mean? She was taken to an extreme breaking point the fact that she survived it is insane you know people talk about like how she's like weird and stuff now and it's like are you kidding <laughs> are you fucking kidding me you think she's a little weird duh yeah okay so a little bit of a lighter subject we're gonna talk about moving through britney's hair style changes what do you think britney says when she changes her hair color or like there are any specific moments in time that you think of and you were like, oh, she was saying this because her hair was this short or this long. I can definitely think of some times in life where her hair was a direct message. It was a direct response to something. And I used to be able to, and I'm sure that you have this exact same thing where it's like, I feel like I used to be able to kind of trace how happy or not happy she was based on her hair color. And it used to be that when Britney's hair was black, it was like, 
you better fucking watch out. If her hair is pitch black, it's like all gloves are off, you know, and blonde, you know, blow out Britney was like happy Britney. That's how, you know, that's how it used to be. I can definitely remember times where she, you know, there was like sort of an in-between. Like I remember when she cut her hair into like a lob and like she randomly had this like very experimental haircut where it was like a lob and the front was a little longer and it was brown. It was like during the release of In the Zone, which is like, of course it was. Her fans have been able to trace what's going on through her hair for sure. Okay. I've said this before in the podcast but she's super funny and clever. People don't give her credit. I think that they just think of her as this little baby fawn that needs help. You know, she's not strong. Cuddle and coddle her and very, very headstrong, stubborn, has an incredible work ethic, but she's also really funny. If you go through Britney videos, Britney Cannon over the time, there are moments where I laugh out loud legitimately because of her delivery and she's so quick you don't even realize that she's being funny until afterwards you're like oh god that was good that was good you know the video where she's wearing like a pink wig she's chewing gum and she's getting interviewed by someone about pepsi the someone is like okay do you even drink pepsi and she's like yeah like she's like so over this interview do you know who was interviewing her I know exactly what you're talking about. Tucker Carlson was the one interviewing her. And it made me die and like levitate into the heavens because she was so over this guy's bullshit. And that's why she was responding in the way that she was to him. And I'm like, see, this woman knows what she's doing. She's not like vacant. Is there a post that she's put up recently in the past few years, whatever, that you think is just so funny and really showcases who she is i actually thought the one that she posted after the documentary came out where she said like the moment we've all been waiting for you know what i mean because she knew that everybody was waiting for her to say something i thought that was really funny and you're right i think that people forget because we've had this sort of new version of britney in our lives for so long i mean it's been like 10 years the first you know 15 years of her career relied heavily Almost the biggest pillar of Britney's career was her personality. That was the thing. That was the thing that other managers and producers were putting their girls in, like, media training. They were basically being taught to try and be charming the way Britney Spears was charming, and nobody could repackage it correctly because it was just who she was. She's fucking hysterical. I agree. That post did make me laugh out loud. The moment we've all been waiting for... She's great. Okay, so now we've hit the speed round of this interview. What's your favorite Britney look? I don't know if I have one specifically, but I will say that my favorite Britney moment is early 2000s low-rise denim and crop top. Like, just classic Britney running errands with a coffee. Crazy, sometimes super short crop top, but, like, you can tell she cut it herself moment. And just a good pair of denim and, like, a coat that's, like, fur-lined. Yes, 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 yes. Which Britney song gets stuck in your head the most? There's a song in the Britney album that I really love called Anticipating. I just really love that song so much. It's like always brought me so much joy. Like it always makes me smile. And it's always in my head all the time. It feels very roller rink disco, in my opinion. Like I want to be like moving my arm up and down, skating. Right? (laughs) Which tour has been your favorite? I don't even have to think about it. 
The answer is Dream Within a Dream. It is Britney at a career peak. It's just peak Britney. It's like the Britney image and the Britney brand at that point was so intact and it was so powerful and strong. And it was like broke a Guinness record and it's creatively just so just on another level. It's so good. Anybody that's not seen the Dream Within a Dream tour, I advise you to watch it. It's magical. One thing that I think is missing from tours now, theatricality, Lady Gaga gives it to us in abundance for her tours. And so does Taylor Swift, frankly. But I think that Gaga and Taylor Swift, they took notes from Britney and maybe even in sync when it came to tours because there's entertainment value there. And one thing that I loved about, you know, the Dream Within a Dream tour, you weren't just going and like seeing Britney dance around on a stage and then that was it. Like there was a narrative and she spoke to the audience, even though you were in a stadium or Staples Center, you felt like she was talking to you. It didn't feel so big. It felt really intimate too. She did that really well. And so did NSYNC. My mom took me to every Britney and NSYNC concert I went to, and she walked away having just as much fun as I did, even though she definitely wasn't the target demo. So I've been to tours recently and have seen, you know, some of the pop acts these days doing their shows. Like all the kids are going nuts, but I'm like, this is so boring. I could be listening to the album at home. There's no additional element that gets you excited. If you're going to shill out money to go to a tour, I want more than just a track by track performance of your album. (laughs) Give me a little bit something different. And it's like, you have to be in a certain age demographic to understand this, but like our pop acts from when we were younger, the Britneys, the NSYNCs, the Backstreet Boys, they all graduated directly from the school of like Michael Jackson, Madonna, Prince, right? Like they were the direct response to that. So there's so much of that, of all of those elements, especially with Michael's sort of theatricality. It's a stage production. Like that's a play that just so happens to be a tour, you know what I mean? And it just hits different. They do now feel very big and whatever. I think Miley did that well with the Bangers tour. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, her godmother is Dolly MFing Parton, so she obviously understands that deeply. This might actually be a little controversial for Britney fans listening, but I know that she's with Sam, obviously, wink. But if you could pair her with anyone, who would you pair her with? Oh my gosh. I actually feel like I would honestly pair her with somebody just completely, not like totally removed, but somebody not famous. And I know she kind of dates just like basic normal guys, but I mean somebody like um, removed just enough. Like somebody who like does something creative. I feel like she doesn't date creative artsy fartsy, if you will, guys. She needs to be with a guy who will like want to go to the beach with her and paint and, you know, loves music and, and likes Google image art. She needs to date an artsy guy, like somebody who's just weird and artistic. Oh my God, I am dying. Google image art. Stop it right now. I agree with you. I really liked her with Jason because I felt like he got the industry enough. He obviously like wasn't trying to be famous, but he understood like what she was going through in terms of like him having his own clients, the business side of those things. And I kind of want that for her. Yeah, like maybe he has like a studio in his house where they can paint together. Just picture her having like late nights where they're eating weird food and like painting and like 
I don't know. I just, I want that for her. This is going on so long, but remember when she talked about astrology and she was like, so I'm reading a book and it's called the book of astrology. And one thing that I love about, like, I really love Aquarius. I am a Sagittarius and I like to be free, but I love Aquarius. So of course my head goes to like Justin Timberlake's Aquarian male, right? But we're like not shipping that. But she didn't mention Sam's sign. Do you remember this? Like he's like a Pisces or something. And she didn't even mention his sign. Okay. Two more questions. What do you think her next move should be? Let's say that everything goes great. She's free, living her best life. What would you like to see from her next? I would love to see her do something so left field. I mean, like, I would like to see her go in a direction that is just blows people's mind. Like, almost like a Taylor releasing folklore. Just weird, random. I would love to see her play a piano. I would like to see her just lean into doing whatever it is that she wants to do. And just really like deep introspective lyrics and like just artistry like I would like to see her just be the weird artist that she's always wanted to be okay and the last question is this is Los Angeles so you have moved Troy to LA you are a major movie star and you're headlining a film who is your co-star it would probably be so my favorite Scientologist is Juliette Lewis (laughs) so you're doing a movie with Juliette Lewis Maybe, maybe we're doing like a a 90s moment. Like I love Juliette Lewis. I've always loved her. I'm a real 90s Juliette Lewis head, like big time. That is such a great answer. I don't think anybody else will ever say that. So you nailed it. Way to go. Troy, you're incredible. Thank you so much for coming on Los Angeles. Where can everybody find you and your podcast? Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Literally, this is what I dreamt it would be, but like 20 times more, just so you know. My podcast is called Dunzo. It's spelled D-U-N-Z-O. And there's an exclamation point, which helps you find it on the Google. Um, And it's on iTunes and Stitcher and all the things. And you can find me everywhere on the internet at Troy McEady, T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y. Awesome. Uh, We're going to link Dunzo and all of Troy's socials on our website. So be sure to visit that and then go over to his feed on Dunzo and listen to us break down the most iconic Britney album, Blackout. So that's happening. You all know where to find us. Los Angeles Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Find us on Facebook and join our Facebook group. And we will talk to you on Friday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.